Cable Smith, welcoming everybody to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hope you spent it with friends and family. Fortunately for us in the Lone Star State, we don't have any of these draconian measures passed down by a dictator like governors who don't even adhere to their own policy. I mean, goodness gracious, Governor Newsom up there in uh, California, partying like it's 1999, no mask. Not socially distancing, just out at L.A.'s nicest steakhouse having a dinner with friends. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty laughable what's going on. But uh, anyway, thank you guys for being here as we've got a great show lined up for you today. And I'm going to tell you all about it. But first, you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos. The one that granddaddy passed down years ago. Maybe you spike it with some of granddaddy's cough syrup. Maybe you don't. Whatever you fancy. But either way, I'm glad you're here. And to get things going today, we'll check in with our old pal, Brian Lynn of the Sportsman's Alliance. And Brian's been on the show quite a few times over the years. And most recently, we've delved into this... Well, speaking of dictator-like governors, uh, the situation in New Jersey with their governor, Phil Murphy, who in 2018 made an executive order prohibiting the hunting of black bears on state land. Well, it's been working its way through the legal system ever since then, and it all came to a head about two weeks ago. And unfortunately, the conservation and hunting community lost here, as did the wildlife. Uh, so we'll have the latest on that and the precedent that it sets for other governors going forward. I mean, they could just say, hey, look what Murphy did in New Jersey. Let's try to do something like that in our state. Uh, outlawing the hunting of X animal that has a healthy population. But we just don't like it. So we're not going to let you do it. Uh, so anyway, Brian will be here to uh, break that down. Also, beaver trapping in Oregon. How close were they to banning that practice despite the science? Oof, that one came down to the wire. Uh, Brian will fill us in on that as well. Uh, then our friend Ford Van Fossen of First Light will be here, and we'll reflect on Ford's hunting season. Uh, it was full of ups and downs, as so many of ours usually are. And then we'll transition into this really worthwhile endeavor, uh, the Common Wild Initiative that First Light has partnered up with a bunch of other big players in the outdoor industry as far as uh, companies go. And the goal is just to raise money for conservation and habitat protection. So we'll let Ford explain exactly how that is being done through Common Wild. And I think it goes without saying that, you know, we all have our differences, but the outdoors is one thing that unites us. It seems to be truly bipartisan, and uh, that's exactly what Common Wild is. And they've got some really cool gear that will be available starting next week, a limited run, and all the proceeds will be going towards protecting 
those wild places that you and I hold near and dear to our hearts, and of course the critters that inhabit them. Uh, So that's what's on the docket for today. I believe it's going to be a good one, and uh, looking forward to today's conversations. Uh, Let's do this, because we do need to work in a quick break. Uh, How about a First Light Cypher Lone Star Outdoor Show cap? It's got my logo in uh, bright orange, just stitched right into that First Light Cypher. So if you're interested in throwing your hat in the ring for a chance to win one of my hats, (laughs) just email the word, let's do conservation. Just email conservation to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. We'll get you entered into today's giveaway. Let's knock out that break. Coming up next, Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance joins us right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors Show. Yes, I'll meet you in the middle. Texas Premium Power Sports is one of the largest pre-owned dealers in Texas. They specialize in sales of pre-owned ATVs and UTVs, many of which come fully accessorized. They also have a full service and repair center for most major brands and offer financing with a 500 credit score or better. They'll even finance parts and accessories such as high racks, roofs, and wheel and tire combos. Visit TexasPremiumPowerSports.com or check them out on Instagram at Texas underscore premium underscore power sports. That's TexasPremiumPowerSports.com. With city life seemingly getting crazier by the minute, the thought of moving out to the country is looking more appealing than ever. And Foster Farm and Ranch has been recognized as one of the nation's top ranch brokerages the past two years. They have listings in 22 counties and counting and are truly a statewide entity. Foster represents buyers and sellers from all walks of life. Farmers, ranchers, hunters, doctors, lawyers, investors, and possibly you. You can find them on Facebook, Foster Farm and Ranch, or Instagram, at Foster Ranch Sales. Of course, fosterfarmandranch.com, the website, or call Chad at 830-776-3605. Hi, this is James McMurtry, and thank you for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. That don't know what made me so brazen and bold. At the time I was feeling so wasted and old And I can't dance the lick But sometimes I can flat rock and roll uh, Yes, our very own James McMurtry One of the best songwriters out there Bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show Presented by Lone Star Beer Cable Smith here with you as always Thanks for dropping by We've got to head up to New Jersey of all places, uh, here in just a second. Such a small little state, but big-time hunting culture up in New Jersey, uh, including a massive white-tailed deer culture and, of course, black bear, which we will dive into in just a sec with our buddy Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance. But first, this segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders. Henry and I are heading back out to the Deer Lease this weekend, actually, we're going to leave Mama and the girls behind, have a boys' trip, and we'll be sitting in the Big Chingone trying to get Henry his first whitetail. It's got plenty of room for his gun. Oh, my gun, too, in case a big buck walks out. <laughs> I'm not going not gonna to lie. The boy's not shooting my buck. Not this year, anyway. Uh, and it's got carpet. It's got shelves, cup holders, windows for rifle or archery. You name it. It's got it all. It's like the Taj Mahal of hunting blinds. It's the big chingone. 
You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. All right. Uh, well, let's bring on a first guest here, Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance. Always great to check in with you, my friend. Great to be here, Cable. Thanks for having us on again. Absolutely. So you're up in Washington State? Yes, sir. Right on. Cold. It's not cold here. (laughs) Yeah, we got snow and down in the 30s and 20s and teens. So, yeah, a little different. Mm -hmm. Not ideal for the rut or pushing ducks our way. So, uh, who knows? Global warming. Um, well, let's talk about a couple things that are front and center. Number one, and we've discussed the uh, New Jersey bear situation in detail a couple times uh, as updates have um, come through the wire. But the latest is, oh, you know, Governor Dum Dum, uh, Phil Murphy, who was it two years ago passed the black bear hunting ban on state lands? Yep. Yep. So he came in and just as a promise to the animal rights activists said he'd end the bear hunt. And he did as much as he could acting as a land manager. He closed all state owned lands to the bear hunt saying it was a safety issue. Right. And so closed it up and that's it. Safety issue. Meanwhile, you know, vehicular collisions are up and human bear conflict numbers have gone through the roof. Uh, there's a, uh, there's an organization up there. It's the, uh, well, and it's not an organization, actually. I think it's like the management wing of the uh, New Jersey, you know, Fish and Wildlife. And it's the Comprehensive Black Bear Management Plan, the uh, CBBMP. Yeah. And they call for a 20% annual harvest to maintain uh, ecological balance and protect New Jersey citizens. That's a 20% annual harvest on, on state lands. Um, minimum. Minimum, yeah, minimum. Minimum. Uh, 20 to 30% was the goal stated in there. And this By is law, coming from the that. biologists that the state of New Jersey employs and pays to come up with scientific uh, wildlife management strategy. Yes. So, Governor. And, and there it was to go 20 to 30%. The initial goal was to reduce the population and then hold it at that population, at that level, so you don't have the human-wildlife conflicts that Jersey mm-hmm. has seen. They you know, showed that New Jersey bears and bears in that area reproduce at like twice the rate. They're having four cubs at a time instead of one or two, yeah. and they're living longer. They're not, they don't have the mortality rate, so the population quickly gets out of hand. That's why they sent such an aggressive 20 to 30% harvest rate. And even if they meet 20%, that's the minimum. So in the October six-day season, if they're to reach the 20%, the December season still takes place mm-hmm. until they reach a 30% threshold, and then the hunt would end. But that's how things roll, and they haven't done that since they closed the state lands. They've only reached about 15 to 16% harvest rate. Well, in Texas, we kill, they say, around 30% uh, of our feral, or, or trap, so ultimately kill, right, remove, 20 uh, to 30%, and it's closer to 30% of our feral uh, hog population annually, and that doesn't even make a dent. So um, you're talking about bears that are breeding, not as prolifically as feral hogs, I mean, they're not having multiple uh, litters a year, but more so than any other area of the country, and New Jersey has a uh, an issue, 
and they have the most, what is it, the highest density of black bears? Yeah. Yeah. Highest density of people and highest density of black bears. Well, that's a not a good comment. Recipe for disaster, absolutely. And I hate to say, like, oh man, I hope people's pets start getting eaten so they'll wake up. But I kind of hope people's pets start getting eaten. On you know, not I'm not going to say like kids, but pets, man. Uh, if that's what it takes to get science back in wildlife management, then so be it. Uh, it sounds yeah. very callous to say that, but that's how I feel. And I think we're at a point in this country uh, where. You know, we just have to say, you know, call a spade a spade and say this is reality instead of trying to live in the twilight zone, which, I mean, that's the norm for especially 2020. Uh, I mean, just to look across the country. Hell, you're living it in Washington State. Uh, I don't know which. What are your lockdown restrictions these days? Uh, Yeah, they just implemented more. I don't know. I try not to watch them. <laughs> my own thing, but <laughs> they just locked it down more. So there's we're back to like we were in the spring where there's no indoor dining and things yeah. like that. You're not I just went to the gym today. Gathering yeah. and yeah. It's great, you know, but it's nice to live yeah. in Texas where, you know, communism isn't rampant uh, like it is yeah, in New Jersey and Washington state for sure. And Washington, D.C., oh, yeah. and California, and, you know, it's it's oh, yeah. funny. Look at anywhere where there's a blue, where the state that voted blue, and you can guarantee there's draconian um, coronavirus, COVID-19 restrictions in place. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, people need to wake they, up. They blame, they blame somebody else. And it's like, but your governors are the ones that fought for the right to have this power and you gave it to him and oh my god that was somebody else's fault <laughs> yeah cuomo's getting an emmy for his uh his tv updates of how he handled COVID 19 meanwhile yeah no one's handled it worse i mean we're living in a clown world we're we're giving awards to the guys who have the highest death rates and you know sent <laughs> sent sick people into nursing homes i mean it's, it's absurd um no, I don't think anyone's handled it worse than than him. But yet he's getting an Emmy for it. Uh, that'd be like giving uh, Murphy a, a you know some type of wildlife management award for his, how he's handling black bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. God, no, dude. So good. so the latest is we have a like what some kind of was it a circuit court judge or some appeals court judge administrative administrative law judge. Okay. Uh, and she oh. issued her ruling like two weeks ago, in favor of Dum Dum. Yeah. Yep. She just, I mean, they got it wrong. Uh, you know, the, we, had a, we had our expert witness up there, and he gave his testimony. He pointed out how the black bear population booms, how they have a higher survivability rate, you know, the mortality rate's lower, and they're having all these cubs. Mm-hmm. He pointed to how when hunting was used as a tool, the wildlife human conflicts dropped and now that since it hasn't and it's gone up 61 percent there's a direct correlation to it he showed that it's a it's a lag time obviously when you know those two-year-olds become you know one and two-year-olds start venturing more and looking for more land they tend to get in more trouble and find more people and so it's going to keep going and I, i mean there's no explanation that the state didn't have a rebuttal they tried to say a couple of different things about the counts, and but they ignored the points. And there was even a point in the testimony. <clears throat> we asked him on, you know, on cross about, you know, a phenomenon, and you know, if if closing these state lands could be the problem. And he waited a full minute, 
and then before saying that, yeah, he agreed with us. You know, and so there was literally like no science or evidence to support this. And yet the judge. So in the hearing, there's basically nobody saying no one's in favor of it in the hearing. But yet the judge is like, yeah, we're going to do what Governor Murphy said. Well, I mean, the state put their guy up to try and defend the closure. And, you know, he just tried to muddy the waters. Oh, that's all they ever do to. Yeah, they tried to do that. You can't argue with science. I mean, That's the only thing you can do is try to like point, you know, in a different direction and say, "Oh, but look over here." And but really, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. So yeah. that's and that's yeah, what so they I do mean, across the board. It's you know, we saw the same thing in in Greater Yellowstone when Wyoming was poised to have the first uh, grizzly hunt in the lower 48 and since the 70s, and some asshat circuit court judge. I mean, the hunters had already been drawn. Uh, we even had one yeah. of them on. He drew a grizzly tag, and the hunt is planned. And then this guy said, uh, "Eh, we're not going to do that." Well, okay. Yeah. Biologists and U.S. Fish and Wildlife delisted the grizzly. They said that they've reached a point where the population now needs to be managed. It's recovered. So scientists and biologists are telling you that. Yet you're ruling on a motion, and so there's got to be somebody that's lining your pockets, in, you know, in the background. Um, is I don't believe that these judges just love bears that much, right? Uh, I don't, certainly. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, I guess it comes down to you know whose science do you believe? And well, there's only one. There's stuff. only one science and one truth. Uh, I don't think you can have scientific data. You know, two sides that, that you can that are that are both right on on the same issue. It has to be one or the other. Yeah. No. But you get into counts, and so. The animal rights movement likes to say these wolf and bear and grizzly type counts are too liberal and therefore taking all the other mortality concerns into or rates in into, you know, the equation that if we're using a liberal count and we institute hunting on top of these other mortalities, then we're going to endanger these populations mm-hmm. going forward. Never mind that it automatically would trigger back to endangered species listing. But the bigger point is that that's not true. The biologists use the most conservative count there is. That's their job, There's right? At least at least 700 plus bears in the Greater Yellowstone ecosystem, which is above the threshold and has maintained above the threshold for years now. And they that's the conservative level. That they're using there could be up to twice as many bears oh i believe there is when i went um black bear hunting in in montana i saw more grizzlies than i did black bear so yeah and that's just one like one experience that i had where i didn't honestly want it was cool to see a grizzly uh but not what i was looking for and when you've seen twice as many grizzlies through the spotting scope as you have black bears it kind of makes you wonder yeah so yeah um so what? So what is the recourse now for the uh, unfortunate folks up there in New Jersey who have been? Well, you know what? They're being treated like subjects instead of citizens because they clearly don't want it. Yeah. The the uh, wildlife division doesn't want it yet. We've got some dictator uh, in power who just threw down a uh, administrative order and said we're we're not hunting black bears on state lands anymore. So yeah. where do we go from here? Yeah, and so in a well, so now it's uh, wait and see, and 
you know, see what happens going forward. It, uh, you know, it, uh, this was kind of upheld what was, what was being said and said they made the right ruling. So now it's go forward and hope it doesn't embolden him to do something else and expand this. Um, and then hope he gets out of office and somebody with scientific understanding of wildlife management gets into office and, and so it's a, basically it's a loss until he's out of office because it looks like he's won. Yeah, for now, it looks that way. Unfortunately, wildlife you know, loses. Yeah, man, I, 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 you know, like I said, it sounds terrible to say. I hope pets start getting eaten, but I don't know what it takes for well, people I mean, to wake up. Google it. You can just Google it on YouTube, and you can see these bears fighting, literally, like in, in backyard the town. Yeah, in backyards, in the streets, and in you know, getting in people's pools in the summertime, and. And, you know, you're talking five cubs and a sow using this. There's a video out there. And, shoot, it was on national news. Oh, how cute and how cute. And all these bear cubs, five. This sow had five cubs with her. Oh, and they're in the, in the pool and on the swing set and stuff, you know. But, I mean, there's boars in the middle of the suburban streets, you yeah. know, in, in the housing complex, fighting it out, you know, mating behavior, you know, just fighting well, okay. I mean, this isn't going to end well, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's what it takes. Well, you know, when you value animal life over human life, uh, which is like the telltale viewpoint of the animal rights group, you know, if they, if it wasn't, oh, yeah. when you post a picture or you know post a link to an article of somebody who harvested a leopard or a lion or a bear, and someone comments, and this I see it all the time, is like. Oh, I wish the leopard would have ripped their jugular out. Like, yeah. Well, what? Whoa, whoa, man. I mean, wh- how can you say you you appreciate animal life more than human life? That's that's like your fellow mankind over there that you're talking about. Maybe you disagree with them, but you don't wish death on people. It's absurd. But that's that's yeah. their reaction, an emotional reaction. It, uh, you know, they just can't deal with science. They can't deal with facts and want to live their life based on well, emotional reaction. So, Yeah, and and it's easy to do when it doesn't impact you. I, you know, if one thing that's come out of COVID, I just wrote this for our magazine, if one thing that's come out of COVID that's a bright spot, is a whole lot of people that didn't like guns and didn't like hunting, all of a sudden started liking both. Right. And it looked like the government was breaking down. There's 5 million new gun owners out there. Yeah. You know, and a lot of them are middle of the road or didn't have a view or were even against guns. I know a couple that were, you know, pretty liberal, uh-huh. didn't like guns, you know, da, 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 that, you know, bought guns. And, you know, people are out there harvesting clean meat when meat factories, you know, all of a sudden had COVID outbreaks and it's boosted license sales, it's boosted gun purchases. Good luck finding ammo anywhere right now. <laughs> right. But, you know, it, those are, if there's a small silver lining to all of this, are good things. You know? Yeah. And we need to, you know, try to maintain those numbers and get these people involved so they can understand and see our side of of what's going on. And, yeah, we we provide for ourselves, take care of ourselves, and protect ourselves, you know, not, not just shun them, but uh, bring them deeper into the fold if we can. Well, and hopefully they're, you know, they're waking up like in those places that like we talked about where people have voted one way, they're more likely to be like, oh, yeah, looting and rioting is fine. No, that's not that's not a big deal yet. 
you can't have more than 10 people over for Thanksgiving. So maybe when the cops come and knock on the door, you just, you say, are you guys celebrating? No, we're not doing Thanksgiving. We're just in here looting and rioting. Then they'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> Having a funeral for the turkey. Clown world we live in. Four, no, two plus two equals five. Oh, just finished reading 1984. And that's like the sticking point of the book is trying to get people, the population, you know, the, the party, the the socialists, uh, they, they, they try to mind screw these people to the point where they don't know what, what truth is and whatever the party tells them is truth. So the whole point is like two plus two equals five because we say it is. It's no longer two plus yeah. two equals four. And if you disagree, yeah. we'll just kill you. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> or or to, yep. and compared to today, we're not going to kill you. We're going to cancel you. I mean, well, yeah, that's yeah, what they do today. Canceled and yeah, yeah you know, yeah. called an Easternism and mm-hmm. and you're canceled out. You know. Yeah, I'm still canceled on Facebook. They don't like uh, freedom and the Second Amendment over there, so they gave me the. Uh, it said a three day ban, but that was uh, uh 45 days ago. Anyway, uh, let's knock out a quick break, Brian. When we come back, we'll get into the latest on the Oregon beaver trapping ban. Seriously? Beavers? Uh, That segment brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants. I put out some of the Big and J squared the other day. Had literally the deer spooking off of it for like a day until they figured out what it was. And then I kind of felt like a drug dealer because they couldn't and wouldn't stay off of it. And when they ate it all, like after three days, they kept coming back to the spot looking for it, like they were fiending for it. So check it out. It's Big and J. I highly recommend it. I've got video evidence. It's all over my Instagram page. So you can see for yourself. It's Big and J. You can find them online or you can find them at Walmart. They're everywhere. We'll continue our conversation with Sportsman's Alliance Brian Lynn after the break. I hear the crack the You're howling at the moon. We all know that you gotta go, but does it have to be so soon? Texas Premium Power Sports is one of the largest pre-owned dealers in Texas. They specialize in sales of pre-owned ATVs and UTVs, many of which come fully accessorized. They also have a full service and repair center for most major brands and offer financing with a 500 credit score or better. They'll even finance parts and accessories such as high racks, roofs, and wheel and tire combos. Visit TexasPremiumPowerSports.com or check them out on Instagram at Texas underscore premium underscore power sports. That's TexasPremiumPowerSports.com. Dallas Off-Road is North Texas' trusted 4x4 shop, specializing in lifts, wheels, tires, exterior upgrades, and gears and drivetrains. I recently took my factory Z71 Silverado into Dallas Off-Road, and they handed me back a lifted beast of a truck that will get me around the deer lease or just as easily tackle a perilous mountain road on my way to a backcountry elk hunt. Dallas Off-Road owner Jeff Swope is an avid hunter and gun enthusiast, so you'll have a lot to discuss when you swing by the shop or give them a call. Visit DallasOffRoad.com for all your truck or Jeep customization needs. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. Where'd you go, mountain girl? Did you run off to the Cap Rock City? 
Smith and the Saints bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. <laughs> that one goes out to uh, to Henry, my boy. I asked him, well, I said, hey, I need three more songs to fill out this week's playlist. And he said, Turnpike Troubadours, Shane Smith and the Saints, and Camp without blinking an eye. So uh, thanks, little buddy. Uh, thank you guys for being here as we are still visiting with Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance, and we're about to get into the proposed beaver trapping ban that the state of Oregon, well, did they or did they not pass it? Brian will tell us. But a little bit about the beaver trade, that's by and large what pushed westward expansion in our country back in the early 1800s. And it wasn't until Abraham Lincoln made the black top hat, the fashion de jour back in the mid-1800s, that the uh, beaver trade really started to go downhill. Because up until then, the fashion of the day for men was to wear a beaver felt hat. Well, Honest Abe unintentionally uh, did away with that when he introduced the uh, the new fashion. So uh, anyway, we're going to pick it back up with Brian momentarily. But first, this segment brought to you by SCI. There is no organization out there who does more for big game conservation than SCI. They put their money where their mouth is, and they do that through grants, through conservation initiatives, and, man, they are passionate about educating the non-hunting public about why what we do is necessary when it comes to sustainable use hunting. I'm a proud member. I hope you'll consider joining as well. For more info, you can check us out at safariclub.org, SCI, first for hunters. All right. Uh, Well, Brian, certainly appreciate you sticking around through the break. Thank you, man. Let's talk beavers because while Oregon is busy legalizing heroin and crack, somehow they didn't ban beaver trapping, which who in God's name would have ever thought we'd be talking about banning beaver trapping. But, um, you know, Historically, beaver trapping is like what pushed westward expansion in this country. People think it was the gold rush, this, that, and the other. No, it was actually the beaver fur trade which started that migration west. What is the uh, the term when the original early Americans wanted to push all the way across to the west coast? Manifest destiny. Manifest destiny, yep. Um, should have paid closer attention in history class. But yes, manifest <laughs> destiny. You know, I mean, a lot of that, when they started pushing west, it's like, you know, Trapping was was the reason why that was the the big money maker. Oh, yeah, open the routes and the big money to bring back, and mm-hmm. yeah, open the trade routes and everything else. Yeah, and here and we Oregon are. Oregon State Beavers, or you know, that's the name of the of Oregon State University, or the Beavers. Right. Yeah. You know. Uh huh. I, I was surprised to read that. I was thinking, oh, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna screw this up. There's no way. I mean, look at them. They're just said crack cocaine's fine. Why would they not? Yeah, do? it was a citizen citizen petition brought forward. So you know, you get enough names on there and enough people and trying to do that. And at first, they tried to say that you know uh, the beavers were knocking the beaver populations down, and more beavers would be better because then it would help the endangered coho salmon and you know spawning in rivers and in streams. There's absolutely zero data to support that. 
So everybody, you know, the coalition of sportsmen, us and some other national and state groups said, where's the science for this? They didn't have any. Mm -hmm. So then they pivoted and said, oh, look, the climate change and policy that Oregon is legally required to follow protects native species to ensure that they will never be threatened or extinct. So we need to stop trapping in order to be in compliance with this. Again, those of us who use science said, show us how this is impacting and threatening to make beavers extinct in Oregon. And the state wildlife biologist said there is zero evidence to support this. So they had nothing. Yet it was still a 3-3 vote. On the that was the most amazing thing. I forgot about that. I read that on on um, Sportsman's Alliance Instagram page. It's like three three votes. So we have three morons that are in charge, in a position of power in their state wildlife agency. Like yeah, we need people. It's that close. Managing wildlife that aren't that actually hunt and fish that understand sustainable use, hunting, trapping. You know, look at wildlife is this wonderful resource that it is. Um, so to say that 50% of the higher ups within their state wildlife agency are morons is, uh, I mean, well, they are morons. They voted in, in favor of this ban and that's yeah. disheartening. Yeah. It's that close. It's one, one vote, you know, can see is the swing there that could, could have started that, that, uh, ban. And then where do they go from there? Okay. Now we ban beaver trapping. What's, and I, I think Oregon's one of the states that tries has tried to ban coyote hunting contests and trapping and all that yep. stuff as well. I don't remember yep. if they've yep. been successful. They were, they were a big one. Yeah, we fought that hard and won mm-hmm. and protected it. But they're coming back this next session. I guarantee it. Always. We already, I actually sat in on a webinar that they had and how they're going to go after Washington and Oregon to end the coyote contest or any wildlife contest. And it passed here in Washington. They passed it, so it's done. And so Oregon is next, and they have a legislator in their pocket, and and all they need is you know to get those Portland folks. And so well, they're, they're too busy smoking after. crack. Yeah. So the big thing last time was that the way the law was written to stop the co- the contest is that it opened the door to ending field trials potentially, depending on what birds were being used and such. It would have ended the field trial stuff, so that caused an outrage. If they write it a little more clear and go after coyotes specifically or make exceptions, you, we could lose that support of the gun dog community. And well, where does it go from there? Uh, bass fishing tournaments? I mean, the, is the snowball effect, you know? Like, yep. it never ends. Slippery slope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, well, like going back to New Jersey... You know, where does that end? So he successfully stopped bear hunting on state land. Horrible precedent. He used that to stop deer hunting on state land. Yeah. Yeah. All state land. Well, and then other governors can look at it and say, oh, what did they, they did this in New Jersey. Let's, we can probably get away with that here. Uh Uh-huh. It's a a horrible precedent. And it's much like the freaking Colorado wolf reintroduction that the population just voted on. And I've harped on this so many times on the show. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it again, but like you can't let the population of, uh, you know, Portland or uh, Boulder and Denver or, I mean, name any major metropolitan area in a democratic state. You can't let them decide the fate of the the resource, the wildlife resource, but that's exactly what Colorado did. And uh, it sets a horrible precedent 
Yeah. No, it's, it's bad. You know, I mean, it's, there's going to have to be some changes, hopefully at some point, uh, you know, where a super majority is required to pass a ballot initiative when it comes to wildlife, or you have to gather signatures, you know, from, I think it's Utah that does it. X number of, of the counties have to have signatures from them. Mm-hmm. Or there's a certain threshold within each county that signatures have to come from. That's a, you know that's a really good idea because then you can't just have the major metro areas dictating to the rural folks of hey this is how it's going to be done when they have no skin in the game. That's the thing is they're not out no. there. They're not experiencing it. They're ta- they're voting from their cubicle. They I mean yeah. they should have less of a, a say to be frank. Yeah. Yeah, they have no they don't deal with the consequences and repercussions of the poor management. It's the the ranchers, the farmers, and uh, the folks who have to live in that situation that do. You know, they're somebody sitting in, well, hell, downtown Dallas doesn't have to deal with it. Right. You know, San Antonio, you know, any any of these areas, nobody is going to, in the major metropolitan cities, is going to have to deal with poor management decisions in yeah. any state. I mean, wolves aren't going to go into downtown Seattle. Let's just be realistic about it, you know. But get outside of there just a little ways, and you got issues. I mean... We had a woman killed by a mountain lion here a couple of years ago, just half an hour from Seattle. That stuff's only going to keep happening more and more often with uh, yep. increased regulations on wildlife management. There's no doubt about that. It's so frustrating. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I mean, like I said, two and two is five. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm harp. That's kind of like what my mentality. My mentality, my new catchphrase is because after reading 1984, it's like every time I see something that, you know, people trying to tell me that up is down or the sky is not blue, I'm like, yep, two and two is five. Makes sense. So some good news. Obviously, the the Oregon um, press release was good news. As far as what's going on with Sportsman's Alliance, you guys have a mega raffle going on, which is pretty cool. And I'm going to let you tell us about it right now because there's some awesome prizes people can win. Oh, yeah. No, this is, uh, well, I mean, again, COVID, right? It yeah. shut down all in-person anything. Fundraising. So, I just had our uh, all Texas, of our fundraising, yeah. our Texas uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation director on last week, uh, Whitney Huddleston, yeah. and I asked her about that. I was like, how, how difficult is it to raise money right now as an organization that depends on in-person like banquets and events, you know, even like Ducks Unlimited or Pheasants Forever, all of these outlets are funded by those yeah. in-person, by and large banquets. And so you can't have them or you can only have them at 50% capacity or people don't want to have them because they, they won't risk getting sick. I'm sure it's, it's damn near impossible to, to make up for that lost revenue. Yeah, that, that's the tough thing, right? Like we, we have some in-person shoots. Mm-hmm. Those are canceled. Um, and then our big one is our big uh, rally we have every year in you know August September, and that's where a huge chunk of our funding comes from, and that was canceled. So you know we had worked with some great, uh, some of our great sponsors and folks in the industry, and they made donations and stuff, and so we're turning it into a mega raffle and hoping we can make up for some of that loss. You know it's it's going to be tough, but uh, if we don't have the support and the funding. We can't keep fighting the lawsuits, paying the lawyers, and and going in after the legislatures, which is going to be kicking off here come January. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a whole fresh round of, of bills and people coming in trying to stop hunting in every state out there. You know, so 
you know, we've got, uh, I think it's $125,000 worth of prizes. Wow. Know, there's like 75 prizes. And if you buy one ticket, it's entered in all, every raffle, all 75 raffles. So you can, you know, win your ATV and you can win your elk hunt in Colorado. You know, there's a grand prize where you can, you have a choice between two different boats or uh, cash, like $20,000 in cash. There's an African safari. There's Holy uh, moly. browning shotguns and Sig Sauer stuff and, uh, you know, Springfield and, gosh, Africa. What else? Yeah. And there's just – So that's cool. So if I buy one ticket, it's entered stuff. into the – I mean, all the tickets go into the same thing all and you just draw. Unlike, like, so if I'm on the Dallas uh, Ducks Unlimited Committee and we have different, like, packages, you know, like – some tickets are twenty dollars um, for a chance to win the Browning, you know, or or the yeah, you know, Satori shotgun, a nice Beretta over under, whatever. Um, but those tickets are more expensive, and so less people buy them. But so this deal is every ticket is entered the same. Yeah, so you can buy one ticket for twenty five bucks, and you're entered in all seventy five drawings. Okay, that's by cool. six for a hundred, fourteen for two hundred, twenty-four for three hundred, you know, and so there's twenty-four chances in seventy-five different raffles that you can win from. I always just buy the so, one-dollar tickets because I'm poor, <laughs> but you know, uh, that's great. So all the tickets are the same value. Twenty-five bucks gets you a shot at Dream Elcon, ATV, couple yeah. boats, twenty thousand dollars cash, shotguns out the wazoo. Uh, $125,000 in prizes. Yeah. So $30,000 worth of guns, you know? So it's like, yeah, there's something for everybody out there and every ticket is one chance to win. Right on. And so where can people buy those tickets at? You can just go right onto our website there, sportsmen's alliance, M-E-N-S, sportsmensalliance.org. And it's right there on the front page. You can also probably find it on the Instagram and, uh, Facebook page, but uh, right there on the front page of of our website, it's the first thing you're going to see is the mega raffle, and it's pretty quick and easy. You can look at all the prizes and enter. There's tickets right there, so yeah, whatever you'd like. Cool, and I'll post it on my uh, Instagram too. I'm still banned on Facebook because they're communists, but I'll throw it up on Instagram <laughs> and uh, put a link in my in my bio so folks can click that too. Perfect. Um, well, awesome. Yeah, stuff. we're also working. Also working with HuntStand, uh, the mapping uh-huh. group there, and there is a discount if uh, you're coming from SA from Sportsman's Alliance. And so, yeah, you can just go to HuntStand.com forward slash SA or put in the code SA20 and you get uh, 20% off, I believe it is, off their Pro Edition. Okay. So, you know, we're trying to trying to get things out there and, uh, you know, give you some value and, and do some fundraising and help everything. So, well, and I want to reiterate, hopefully we like, can keep her going. The, uh, the importance of your organization, you know, can't be overstated. It's a thankless job. It requires uh, a lot of manpower. And so uh, I certainly appreciate everything y'all do. And, and I'm proud to, uh, to be a member myself. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for the support and getting the words out. Uh, you know, without it, without this fundraising and, and the raffle and, you know, people being members and donors, we can't do it. You know, it's lawyers cost, lobbyists cost, you know, lawsuits and uh, ballot initiatives cost and being able to reach these people, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is 
paying the right person to get in there and talk to them or to fight this in court. And, you know, without that support, we can't do it. So thank you and thank the listeners and everybody else who has bought a ticket for the raffle or joined or donated to us. Awesome. Well, hey, Brian, I certainly appreciate it, brother. Take it easy. We'll do it again soon. Sounds good. Take care, bud. Bye. So there you have it, Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance. Uh, that segment brought to you by First Light in the new Dirt Bag Duffels. If you haven't seen these new bags, um, man, took actually put my blind bag for duck hunting inside the, uh, there's three sizes. This was the medium. Put it in there, then threw like three huge Gatorades, all the kids' snacks, donuts, sunflower seeds, Bell shock collars, ammunition, all that stuff for our duck hunt last weekend. Put it all in there and threw it on my back. Uh, and it's waterproof, which is awesome. Uh, they've got small, medium, and large sizes. Check it out. It's the Dirt Bag Duffel from First Light. First Light, go further. Stay longer. Coming up next, First Light's Ford Van Fossen joins me. We're going to get into the Common Wild initiative that First Light has partnered up with about... 13 or 14 other outdoor companies in an initiative to better our outdoor wild spaces and the animals that inhabit them. And we'll get into that next right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. She said, hello, country pumpkin. How's the frost out on the pumpkin? I've seen some sides, but man, you're something. Where'd you come from, Guys, Cable here for Coon Stopper. If you're tired of losing corn or protein to those pesky raccoons, well, here's your solution. If you're running a traditional feeder that has, you know, those long legs that coons like to climb up, rob you blind, well, you just attach the Coon Stopper to each leg. It's so easy. I just put one on a 300-pound all-seasons feeder, and <laughs> the results speak for themselves. Coons don't like it. They Basically, attempt one time, realize that it hurts, and they're done. Throw in the towel, just like that. It's the Coon Stopper, and you can find it at alamooutdoorworld.com. Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. Beaches of Biloxi, the name of that one, from Mike and the Moon Pies, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here. Thank you so much for dropping by as we're all set to check in with our buddy Ford Van Fossen of First Light. When you look around at the state of affairs in our country today, it seems like Americans have never been more divided. But I don't know if that's necessarily the case in the outdoor industry. And certainly the common wild initiative is an endeavor that is truly 
bipartisan at its core. And I want to get into that with Ford here in just a second. But before we do that, this segment proudly brought to you by Vortex Optics and the new Diamondback HD Spotting Scope Series. If you haven't checked these bad boys out, you certainly need to. It's the big time performance and quality that you'd expect from Vortex, but with a price tag that doesn't reflect that. I mean, to get into one of these for $599, it seems like it's almost too good to be true, but it isn't. I've actually, I'm not just sitting here blowing smoke up your ass. I've actually used mine on multiple hunts this fall. It's the perfect addition to your backcountry kit, and you can find it at vortexoptics.com. Vortex, the force of optics. And with that being said, let's bring on our next guest joining us from somewhere in the Western Rockies, uh, Idaho for sure. It is my pleasure to welcome First Light's Conservation and Content Manager, Ford Van Fossen. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Cable. Appreciate it, buddy. My pleasure. So how's the weather up in up in Idaho? Winter came early, man. It it uh we got about a foot of snow oh two, three weeks ago and we kinda of set into that pattern. I, I kinda of had a moment there where I, I realized it was gonna look like this for the next six months, which always takes a little bit of a, a mental jump as sort of a flatlander that moves to the Rockies. <laughs> right. Where are you from originally? Uh eastern shore of Maryland. Significantly okay. warmer, significantly less snow. That's like, uh, I don't know how close you were like growing up to the Chesapeake Bay, but that's like one waterfowling bucket list destination that's like I, probably at the top of of, of my uh, duck hunting list for sure. Oh, yeah. I, so I grew up on the Chopstank River, which is one of the major, um, you know, we, we call it a river in Maryland, but it's essentially like a big arm of the Chesapeake. Mm, awesome. And it... It is a good place to waterfowl hunt, for sure. Well, and just the nostalgia and the history. I mean, there's, you know, like duck carving museums and all sorts of stuff in that part of the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you ever find yourself in Maryland in November, the town of Easton has uh, something called the Waterfowl Festival, um, which is just sort of a duck and goose extravaganza. They actually, it's pretty neat. They shut down the schools for sort of a Thursday and a Friday. Huh. And the whole town, they shut down the main street, and you're just kind of walking down the street eating oysters and listening to duck calls, and there's sort of all kinds of carving exhibitions and retriever demonstrations. It's it's really awesome. That sounds like my type of party, for sure. Yeah, it's super cool. So you mostly shoot um, canvas backs, and I guess if you got out into the actual, into the sea, you'd get into like the the uh, eiders and... Yep. Uh, scoters and stuff like that yeah we i mean in all honesty the duck hunting uh in maryland has certainly declined you know over the last century or two unfortunately and sort of the glory days to some degree in the duck world unfortunately are behind us i think at least for the time being Mm -hmm. um but the canada goose population um on the eastern shore in particular is, is pretty impressive and so that's really what we did mostly was actually field hunting Canada's. Um, hmm. That was probably 90% of the waterfowling we did growing up. But you do get sort of that from time to time. You know, we did some of the classic river duck hunting, as we call it, which is kind of canvas backs, bluebills, yeah. kind of that that sort of real Chesapeake hunt. And then 
you know, I didn't really do any of it, but yeah, I definitely had buddies that did the full uh, long tail scoter, you know, occasionally eider thing out in the open Chesapeake and layout boats. I'm actually trying to get back in January maybe to do a little of that. Hopefully this year we'll see. Thanks You're so PC, Ford. I mean, it's called a old squaw. <laughs> I actually corrected myself there. <laughs> I know. I would say long tail is definitely more uh you know from visually it's pretty appropriate it is it is incredible but you know it's 2020 and so now it's no longer the redskins it's the washington football team and it's not the old squall it's the long tail so oh yeah you can't offend anybody um yeah before we talk about common wild let's talk about how your big game season's been because you said it's been cold up there it's been one hot mother down here in texas i mean i'm looking for a cold front we can't we can't buy a 40-degree day to save our lives. It's like 75 every day, all of November. It's been insane. Yeah, we've, we've kind of had the opposite. I mean, it always seems fits and starts. You know, we were hunting in, hunted in deep snow in early October, and then it got warm for kind of the second half of October, and then the snow and cold hit again hard in the early part of, I guess, actually second week of November here. Mm-hmm. So. It's been all over the place, but plenty of snow, like always, it seems like. Did you draw any good tags this year? You know, I did draw one good tag that's still in the waiting, a New Mexico Oryx tag. Oh, wow. Um, off range in the spring, so in March, uh-huh. um, which is just awesome timing from sort of a freezer refill perspective. You know what? They need to but, rename that. I mean, it is an Oryx, but it's it's actually, I mean, it's a Ginsbuck is what it is. And there's right. there's three different maybe four different orc species, but you know we have these scimitar horned orcs all over Texas that are essentially mm-hmm. extinct in Africa, and uh, they look nothing like a gemsbuck. But nope. Yeah, certainly it's awesome that they have that uh, that draw out there. And New Mexico has oryx and and ibex as well. It's really cool. Yep. Yeah, and obviously. Um, Barberies or Audads. Yeah. On. Seems like they seem to call them Barberies over there to some degree. Yeah. Um, versus Audads, you know, in, in your neck of the woods, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they do have some real interesting opportunity. But anyhow, that that's the only tag I really shouldn't have drawn that I drew in terms of, nice. or, you know, in terms of possibility uh-huh. or, uh, I guess, probability. But, you know, we're, we're so lucky here in Idaho. We've had a, you know, you get kind of a suite of big game tags every year. Um, you know, so I had an antelope archery tag, um, a elk archery tag, uh, deer general tag, and then a, an additional cow to cow rifle tag, actually. And you filled all of them? Uh, no. So the season kind of started out with me missing an antelope at 40 yards spot and stock broadside, which was uh, somewhat heartbreaking. Uh, I mm. think I just after a couple hours stock and it all came together, I think I was just so wound up. And my only explanation is that I put my, all my pins are green on my bow, which might be changing. Um, and my only explanation is that I think I just put my top pin, my 20 yard pin on them at 40 yards. Cause the arrow just went, you know, good left, right. And just clean under them. You know, if you've ever done any antelope hunting, especially with a bow, uh, in the spot and stock department, it, it'll probably be another six years, I think, till that happens. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, I think I think most 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 bow hunters probably have had that happen to them. May, hopefully, hopefully, like on a pig or a coyote or something, not yeah. not a, a trophy antelope. But. <laughs> no, but it was a, it was a cool stock, and 
uh, didn't fill the archery elk tag, um, and uh, then shot the best mule deer I've killed thus far, actually. Nice. And so I was really pumped on that, and uh, and then I filled filled my cow tag sort of um, after slash during work at the end of last week. So we're looking good. Nice. So freezers are full. I I have. I can't say that I put the wrong pin on my, my elk this year. I I took a shot that was the farthest I've ever shot at an animal with a bow. It was 62 yards, mm-hmm. and I had all day and had the right pin on him and had the the range appropriate, and I just hit him like three inches to the right and hit the front shoulder instead of uh, yeah. catching the vitals. And, you know, at that distance, uh, an inch, an inch or two one way or the other is, the the difference between heartache and going home with a rack and a cooler full of meat. So yeah, but yep. those animals are so tough. Uh, you know, it, there's no doubt he lived because there was. I mean, I thought I had smoked him, and then I he turned and ran straight away from me, and I saw like way too much arrow sticking out. Yeah, and knew immediately. Right. I was like, oh, just we looked for like an hour, found very little blood, found the arrow, and to actually the outfitter he was like dude i see this every year multiple times a year he's like we'll shoot him during rifle season and dig the broadhead out <laughs> so oh it happened to my hunting partner this year he killed a real nice six by in the high country and carving the thing up later he pulled a um slick trick out of out of the back strap <laughs> like, yeah yep they just take well hell actually uh one of our guys here, his wife had a cow tag this weekend, and she shot this cow four times with 308. Wow. And they fig, you know, he figured, you know, she missed some, whatever, it kept walking because it just didn't really do much reacting, it sounds like, and uh-huh. just kind of bedded down and put its head down and died. Wow. And they got up to things, cleaned it out, and it had four bullet holes behind the shoulder. <laughs> Goodness gracious. They're yeah, they're tough critters. They're yeah, certainly a lot tougher than our whitetail. People say are tough, not really compared to an elk. Uh, you know, it's just yeah. But you know, any you know, animals are always um, um, impressive in their resilience and their ability to take damage. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Oh, you're not kidding. I shot a probably 230 pound boar recently. That he was just out feeding in some winter wheat, and I stocked up within. Uh, this is like. 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, broad daylight, and I probably was 80 yards away, I'd say, shooting off a rest, smacked him in the front shoulder with a 270. He ran with a broken shoulder, shot him again in the gut on the run, and had to shoot him one more time when I walked up to him just to put him down. I mean, it was absurd, the damage that he took, and that was with like a 160-something grain bullet. So uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll really dive in on the uh, Common Wild initiative that First Light's a big part of. Sound good? Oh, yeah, man. Excited to tell you a bit more. Good deal. And that segment brought to you by the Pulsar Thermion XP50 Thermal Rifle Scope. I've got one on the 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah, I own a 6.5. Y'all know I give it a pretty good razzing. Uh, But I do think it's a great caliber for coyotes and hogs. And the Thermion is the missing link. It's the tool that turns night into day. You can find the XP50 along with Pulsar's entire lineup of thermal monoculars and scopes right there at PulsarNV.com. We'll be right back with more from First Light's Ford Van Fossen. You're listening to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. So what do you say when we're 26? You're married just for kicks and 
With city life seemingly getting crazier by the minute, the thought of moving out to the country is looking more appealing than ever. And Foster Farm and Ranch has been recognized as one of the nation's top ranch brokerages the past two years. They have listings in 22 counties and counting and are truly a statewide entity. Foster represents buyers and sellers from all walks of life. Farmers, ranchers, hunters, doctors, lawyers, investors, and possibly you. You can find them on Facebook, Foster Farm and Ranch, or Instagram, at Foster Ranch Sales. Of course, fosterfarmandranch.com, the website, or call chat at 830-776-3605. Hey guys, Cable here for QuietCat, the leader in e-bikes made specifically for overlanding, hunting, fishing, and remote access to the great outdoors. QuietCat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable, low-impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market. I own a QuietCat, and it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, QuietCat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e-bike is built to last. Visit QuietCat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. There's a river tumbling down the mountainside I can feel the north wind blow Through the trees and over to the other side Carry me down to the valley below And I'm on the road Bound for home Cable Smith welcoming everybody back, back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Lone Star Beer. Thank you so much for being here. I do appreciate each and every one of you more than you know. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we are still visiting with First Lights Conservation Director, Manager. I don't know. He heads up First Lights Conservation. He's my buddy. His name's Ford Van Fossen, and we're going to get back into our discussion on Common Wild coming up here momentarily. But before we talk about that worthwhile endeavor, this segment of the presentation is brought to you by John X Safaris. The date is set. It is the last week of July, coming up summer 2021. If you want to be a part of this epic adventure, I think I've got four hunters, uh, three of which are returning guys, already booked. I can take three or four more to South Africa's beautiful Eastern Cape. And uh, yeah, the problem with Africa is once you go, you're going to want to go back. And I welcome you to do so. Whether it's your first safari and you're interested in planes game or maybe it's your second or third and you're after something uh, with a little more mystique like maybe Cape Buffalo. Either way, John X Safaris can accommodate you. The accommodations are first class. The food is amazing. The PHs will not let you harvest something that they wouldn't want to put on their wall themselves. If you're interested, just shoot me an email. Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com and I'll get you all the pertinent information sent over and now let's go ahead and pick it back up with ford who was nice enough to stick around 
through the break. And I want to focus on Common Wild now because especially in 2020, man, if you look around, if you, if you pay attention to the media or watch the news or, or even just tune in to social media, I mean, everyone's saying that we're supposed to hate people that we don't agree with. And I just don't feel like Americans truly exemplify that. I know I certainly don't, and you don't, but yet that's the message that they're trying to beat into our brains. Like, you disagree with that person? Well, cancel them or F them. You know, and it's just not that way, and it certainly doesn't represent the way that the outdoor community goes about conducting itself for the most part. Uh, And so that's why I thought, you know, when, when you told me about this, I was like, man, that is certainly a worthwhile initiative, especially in today's climate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's really where, you know, this idea came from. And I, I think it might have something to do with our location here in, in Ketchum, Idaho, which is, you know, a, an amazing place to hunt and fish, but it's also a ski town, um, big time mountain biking, big time trout fishing, sort of you name it from an outdoors perspective, and it's happened in a pretty big way here. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're real used to kind of working with other recreationalists here. Um, you know, sharing trailheads, um, going to the same gear stores to buy gas and dehydrated meals and whatnot. Um, and so often, uh, yeah, we have our differences, but when it comes down to it, we're trying to protect the woods, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we can kind of argue about who gets the snowmobile, hunt, fish, bird watch, trail run, dirt bike to some degree, uh, you know, when there's not. Uh, a parking lot paving over that country right and so that's you know that's sort of the the thought behind this project is that the outdoors and and protecting the outdoors uh brings us together both i think as a as an outdoor recreation industry and really as a country i mean i think when it comes down to it america cares about the natural world you know red blue up down left right young old urban rural what have you Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Americans really do care about conservation. Well, and Congress is like the, 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 they're the guiltiest out of everyone. Like when you talk about people not wanting to work together and, and being divided, I mean, they're horrible. Uh, they, they hold things up just so the other side doesn't get credit, even though both sides know it's a worthwhile endeavor. But with the caveat of when it comes to the outdoors, they seem to be able to, you know, have more of a, a bipartisan mindset. And that's, oh, yeah. you know, we saw that with the Great American Outdoors Act. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I think that's arguably, and I think I've heard conservation experts from several organizations say that, you know, it's one of the more important pieces of legislation we've seen pass from an environmental standpoint in, you know, in decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of just quietly sailed on through you know to some degree i don't feel like a whole lot of hay was made uh about it on any which uh from any which perspective from a news you know from a news perspective but you know here we are with this uh significant legislation that passed with wide um bipartisan support um and you know similarly i think you saw uh with pebble mine uh you know, Jane Fonda and Donald Trump Jr. coming together on issues is not something you, you know, see every day. Right. Right. I mean, uh, Tucker Carlson and Joe Biden. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's a pretty uniting force 
uh, it seems in 2020. Um, and I don't think we really have to tell ourselves it's bipartisan. It, it appears to truly be a bipartisan issue in this country right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is encouraging. And, and the cool thing about this is you guys actually got the, the tire spinning on this like two years ago before everything went to hell in 2020. Oh yeah. Yeah. We started thinking about how do we amplify, you know, this message about the power of conservation to unite us. Um, yeah, quite, quite a bit ahead of 2020 and, and certainly, you know, before a, a lot of the, uh, chaos of mm-hmm. the year, uh, so to speak, uh, got rolling, but, you know, it feels all the more appropriate now kind of post-election, um, you yeah. know, as we come down to the end of this, uh, Pretty remarkable year, obviously. Remarkable is not how I've ever uh, described <laughs> it. <laughs> Worth remarking about. We're still here. That's my that's my yeah. motto is we're still here. So uh, exactly. Um, well, so okay. So talk a little bit about what what is going on with Common Wild. What's the what's the goal? And I know there's some cool uh, some some cool gear that you can get, but I'm gonna let you break break down exactly. Uh, how folks can can get involved and support this, um, I think, worthwhile initiative. Yeah, I mean, what we what we envisioned was, you know, an industry wide fundraiser that both raises dollars for conservation nonprofits and also reminds folks that conservation brings us together. Like I said, as an industry and as a people, hopefully. Um, and so, what it really comes down to is a product based. A merchandise-based fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the brands that have joined up, and, and they range from women's mountain biking apparel to hunting rifles, it's really quite a spectrum, um, they will be uh, offering this hat, Nalgene, and camp cup uh, on their uh, websites come December 3rd. And 100% of the profits uh, from that sale, so to put it another way, the cost of making it minus the cost of selling it right uh will be donated to the conservation nonprofit of that participating company's choice um so basically we we wanted to push the agency for those dollars out to the participating companies so they could fundraise basically for their own conservation partners there's no sort of central fund common wild isn't a nonprofit. Yeah. I see it as more of a, a vehicle to empower outdoor companies to raise money for conservation. So 15 companies, all are they all are selling the same Nalgene Camp Cup and Cap. Because it's Common exactly. Wild, it's the same. Okay, cool. Yep, yep. And, and the idea there was, you know, we wanted this project to be completely egalitarian mm-hmm. um, so that no company felt slighted by the size of another company or a special deal they were cutting. It's very important that everybody's, we're we're all selling the same merch at the same price and we're all working towards conservation, kind of putting aside, you know, both our differences, I think, um, you know, politically and also um, from a competition standpoint, right? I mean, I'm almost most proud that we have um, Cryptech and Stone Glacier, two of our, um, you know, well-thought competitors in the hunting apparel market mm-hmm. um, are on board. Um, so again, you know, we're putting aside competition to to raise money uh, for wildlife and wild places. Because you know, frankly, another put another way, our industry wouldn't exist 
uh, without, uh, you know, without the natural world, right? Our, our companies wouldn't exist. And more importantly, the passions of our employees and our customers wouldn't exist without the natural world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there are certain rules like about where the monies can be appropriated. Um, yeah. They can't be, you know, they can't have a political stance. Um, exactly. We, we refer to it sort of as the guardrail mm -hmm. uh, model here. Um, and so basically what it comes down to is the groups uh, that are chosen or the nonprofits that companies are given dollars to from this campaign, they have to be conservation groups, right? Mm -hmm. and, and by that, I mean their mission needs to be oriented around the protection of wildlife and wild places. Um, and so basically what we said to folks when they were signing up is, hey, look, we want to get people together. We want these groups to be um, you know, the least divisive. Think about the other side of the equation when you're giving these dollars over. And, and, and so in that light, to your point, uh, what we put down was no political action groups, um, no uh, animal rights groups, no gun rights groups, and no trade association. The core mission needs to be uh, conservation, even if, you know, the Democratic Party of Elmore County, Idaho, planted trees last year, you know, when it comes down to it, that's not their central mission. Right. Um, and so that was kind of the caveat to where these dollars are going. But we also wanted to give groups the agency to work with their kind of trusted partners and, and folks that, um, you know, they know and respect in that world and, and give them, you know, latitude to choose where those dollars are going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's great. Um, is it, all the dollars going back into what we all care about most, uh, differences aside politically, so appropriate for what we're looking at as a society today. Um, but, you know, the timing, like you said, it's two years in the making, but here it is, December 3rd, uh, going live. And uh, I don't know, it's, uh, it seems like uh, the timing couldn't be more perfect. Yeah, I like to think so. I like to think so. Bringing us all together as an outdoor community. Um, and I think, you know, generally speaking, the outdoor community is is pretty inclusive. Um, do we have our, our differences? Of course we do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, it might not be my cup of tea, and the way we hunt in Texas may not be, uh, you know, some something that's interesting to someone from uh, Wyoming or Montana. But, hey, you know, we're all on the same team at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think to some degree, you know, and, and it is complicated. We do have real, um, you know, we do have real divisions in the outdoor community, and, and some of them are good for good reason. You know, when it comes down to it, um, there are uses that are, are incompatible. But at the same time, I think part of the goal here is to sort of broaden that sentiment to, hey, you like mountain bike? Cool. We both we both need to work on um, a strong forage man forest management plan you know, on the local national forest area. Um, and, and, you know, kind of realizing that though we have dif differences, I think we are more united or we are more, we have more in common, I should say, as a result of enjoying time outdoors than not. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt. Um, yeah. I had, I learned something new this year uh, and it's, it, I never, I didn't research it ahead of time, but, uh, I w went on a, uh, I spent a week in New Mexico, got a black bear. We chased it with, with hounds. It was awesome. Really exciting. I love 
watching oh, cool. the dogs do their thing. Mm-hmm. And then I took my lab and we went uh, into the uh, back country for like four days uh, fishing and, and grouse hunting. And, uh, nice. but I have one of those, uh, quiet cat e-bikes and mm-hmm. I told my buddy, I was like, Hey, I think I'm going to go up to this area where we've elk hunted before. And he's like, you can't take that quiet cat in there. Cause it was a, uh, it was a wilderness area. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh dude, you're right. I totally, you know, didn't even think about that. Uh, so I had to go to a national forest, uh, which was, yeah. you know, it wasn't a big deal, but, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of different rules when it comes to those, uh, you know, what you can, what you can and can't take into uh, certain areas. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and like I said, I, I don't mean to, to you know, downplay those conflicts because they are real and they do have implications on yeah. what people can do in places and others. We had, you know, a significant battle around here around a national monument designation versus a wilderness, and a lot of that came down to mountain biking. To mm-hmm. your point, in terms of, um, you know, I guess not technically motorized use there, but geared uh, use, right, is, is not compatible with a wilderness designation. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to say that those conflicts are not real. But again, I think we just need to step back and think about sort of the, I think, you know, what's against preserving uh, what we've got in terms of um, wild space to recreate in, right? Yeah. And thinking about it sort of as a team, um, from RV users all the way to backcountry sheep hunters, right? Uh, we've all got a vested interest in preserving the woods, basically. Well, and I didn't, I didn't look at it, you know. Once my buddy was like, "Dude, you can't take that in there," I was like, "Oh yeah." I, I didn't look at it as like, "Oh poor me, that sucks." Why does this rule exist? I was like, "I've, I've hunted elk in that area, in that wilderness area, four or five times, and have grouse hunted in there more than that." And I like not seeing four wheelers and I like not seeing mm-hmm. bikes, you know? So I was like, oh, yeah. man, that's uh, I didn't even think about it, but I a hundred percent don't want motorized anything's in there. And there I was thinking, Oh, I'm just going to take this in here. Like, uh, but you know, yeah. then I just went to the Carson national forest and um, you know, you can four wheeler away in there. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, there's places yeah. for everybody. Like I like getting away from all that stuff, but, this is the first year I've had one of those e-bikes to, to use. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so where can folks get involved, uh, by the, the common wild gear and help support this, uh, this great cause. Yeah. So I think the easiest thing is to just head to www.commonwild.org, um, next Thursday, which is again, December, uh, December 3rd, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll give you kind of the quick overview on the campaign, show you the merch, and then it'll kind of direct you out um, to support whichever brand you choose. Uh, like I said, there'll be 15 brands carrying the gear, and each of them will be pushing those dollars out to different nonprofits. So you can kind of pick and choose from there and, and uh, participate via that website, I'd say, is the best best place to head. And so this is a limited run. I mean, it, once the all the stuff is sold out, there's, they're not – going to be just making more of it oh very much so yeah and i uh, i would not be surprised if this stuff is sold out in you know a half handful of days um yeah. i just think there's there's a lot of swell built around it and the inventory is definitely uh set and limited uh so i wouldn't dally get on over to that website and get your swag while you can yeah be a cool christmas present too oh yeah yep it's 
all very giftable, you yeah. know, in the 15 to $25 range, basically. Awesome. Ford, we're about out of time, man, but I certainly wanted to mention First Light's uh, biggest sale of the year, the Gravy Boat Sale. Tell us just, I mean, a, a brief overview of, of the discounts and deals that First Light has going on right now. Yeah, but it, it's, uh, it's nice and simple, easy for me to remember. It is 20% um, site-wide, basically. Oh, wow. Um, so it's pretty much our, our biggest, I don't know why I'm saying pretty much, it's our biggest sale of the year. It's our broadest sale of the year. and Kind of your best chance to get a pretty sweet deal on uh, that piece you've been kind of waiting for. Right on. So 20% off uh, store-wide at firstlight.com. Yep. That's, uh, that is the long and short of it. Pretty when, simple to remember. And how long does it run? Run through uh, Cyber Monday. Okay. Um, so starting uh, on November uh, 24th, Tuesday, and running all the way through Cyber Monday. Perfect. Awesome, man. Well, I encourage everybody to check that out. And Ford, thanks again for your time, brother. Enjoyed it. Yeah, Cable. Thanks for having me. So there he goes. First Light's Conservation and Content Manager, our good buddy Ford Van Fossen. I certainly appreciate his time today, as well as our other guest, Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance. Uh, unfortunately, we're just out of time. Got to get out of here. Thanks to all of you guys and gals as well for being a part of today's presentation. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Uh, here's a little How Catchem who we lost this week, taking us on home. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. They're gonna holler at the moon, shoot out the light.